Yo, yo, yo. Good morning, Nashville. Good morning, Nashville. Peace to the city and peace to the planet. We are excited, Nashville. Excited, excited to be opening up this new month with you guys on today. My name is Jonathan Davis. I go by Junebook. Nashville, my name is Leon Davis Jr. I go by L Dog, and uh, we are just so glad again to be presenting to you some content this morning again on the Black Man Ventu podcast. And we just thank you again for your continued listenership and thank you for last week listening to uh, Joseph P. Day uh, talk about his campaign and what he's going to do whenever he gets the opportunity to uh, hold down the office that he's running for. And we got a few more um, uh, candidates, man, that we're going to present to you uh, later on in this month, but not this week. This week, we got something else going on. Let, I'm going to let uh, Jonathan tell you about it. Yeah, so as Pops mentioned, uh, special shout-out, special thanks to Joseph P. Day running again for circuit court clerk. Make mm. sure you guys go vote and yeah, go support. Vote. But nonetheless, learn the position, Nashville. Learn who you're voting for and what the position entails uh, that the person, you know, that is on the ballot is is trying to represent. Make sure you, you got your knowledge mm-hmm. on, on just the election and what's going on. We're starting our new month um, with a new different vibe. We're going to get more into the election. As Pops mentioned, we'll have some more candidates uh, this month of April. But today's episode, Nashville, uh, we got it's an, ex- it's an exclusive. It's an exclusive, man. It's an exclusive episode on today that we have for you guys. And, and I can't wait until you hear the name that we have for you guys this Monday morning. Yeah, it's a name that has been uh, on the uh, shows, man, on the uh, judges' shows for years and years and years, man. And uh, then he uh, he uh, retired, but he was the one of the first black judges to really get a whole lot of props, man, and a whole lot of uh, exposure for the from, from the judicial system as far as uh, TV is concerned. And, man, he used to lay it down. And what I used to like about this brother is that he was real and he was raw. And that's exactly what this episode brings, Nashville. We are excited and we are just just truly, truly glad that we have the support of our city and support of many others as we continue to try to reshape, reframe, and rebrand the black man one episode at a time. Exclusive episode today, Nashville. Exclusive episode. Like, share, comment. Give us five stars on Spotify. Nashville, without further ado... We'll get right into the content. We don't need no break for this man. We don't need no time in between. We ready for y'all to hear today's episode on Black Man Vent 2. Nashville, have you heard a Black Man Vent today? And just like that, Nashville, just like that, we're back. We're back, man. Good morning to you guys. It is Monday morning. We are here. We're excited. Man, we got a great episode today with a great guest. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so, so blessed um, to be to be able to have had a connection through a, a second party. Uh, Miss Teresa, if you're listening to this, shout out to you and shout out to the Heat Seekers magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you guys check them out. Today, Nashville on Black Men Vent 2, we got none other. I don't even know if he needs an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway because yeah. I appreciate him for being on our show, Nashville, yeah. Yeah. taking the time out of his Monday morning to be a part of the Black Men Vent 2 podcast. Nashville, let's hear about our special, special guest on today. Uh, Mr. Judge Joe Brown, Nashville, born July the 5th, 
I won't mention the year because he's a young man. I won't mention the year. He was born July the fifth. Um, he is. He man, it's just it's, it's just so awesome to have you. He's a former American lawyer mm-hmm. and television personality. Yes, he is a former Shelby County, Tennessee criminal court judge and a former arbiter of the arbitration-based reality show that we all know, Judge Joe Brown. Mr. Brown was born in Washington, D.C., and he was raised in the Los Angeles area, graduated uh, from Dorsey High School with being a valedictorian. 1969, he earned a bachelor's degree in political science, and in 1973, a Juris Doctor degree from UCLA. And uh, Mr. Brown, I got a kick out of this last one that I that I uh, researched from you. You're a part of the Greek community, and you're you're part of Alpha Phi Alpha. I'm a Kappa myself, so uh, hopefully that don't bother you too much. <laughs> well, no. See, it, most of the younger members of these frats don't understand what the origin was about. Yes, sir. It was an insurgency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you have an insurgency, you divide everything up into cells. We had four frats, four sororities. Mm-hmm. So getting one wouldn't get all of them. Mm, right. So we pledged hard because the pledging was designed to test you to see if Sheriff Bubba Scott got you. Mm-hmm. He would be able to torture you into telling on your fellows. So. Yes, sir. One frat brother of mine, now deceased, and another frat brother of mine uh, got the call when Emmett Till got assassinated. Wow. He went down with old man Withers in Memphis. I'm talking about Russell Sugarman and A.W. Willis, who figured prominently years ago in the state's black politics. Well, they went down there. Willis, uh, well, Let's see. Withers mm-hmm. took several rolls of film of Till's body that, that he did not develop. Wow. He split them between Willis and Sugarman. Mm-hmm. Their job was to get to Illinois, find the Walgreens, and get the film developed and get it to the governor of Illinois. Well, Willis revealed that to me some long years ago that he had been captured by the local white citizens council and he was tortured for several hours but he managed to escape so he didn't tell on anybody now six or seven cars were shot up burned up and quite a few people got wounded which is the backstory that they don't tell because they're all into that non-violent peaceful demonstration stuff so Willis and Sugarman met up in Illinois, got the film developed and got it to the Illinois governor who demanded Till's body back. And his mother did not get the body embalmed. It smelled like the devil in July. After a few days and they had buckets around because people were vomiting from the smell, the foul odor. But that served the purpose. And I've had the privilege of talking to his mother and stepfather on several occasions. Mm-hmm. Wow. So see, that's what the frats do. That's called man up. Yes, sir. Man up. Yes, sir. Man yes, up. Yes, sir. Now excuse me. That said. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out. For most of the time, humans have been on this planet. 
we did not live someplace where we could go to the wall and hit the thermostat and adjust the temperature. We couldn't go to the refrigerator and bring something out or go to the uh, cupboard and get something that was dry packed, put water in it and add it to the microwave. You had to go out and grow it, harvest it, or before that, even before you could grow it, find it grown and the ladies would harvest it and we'd have to go hunt it. Mm. And when you hunted, there was a big beast that might weigh several thousand pounds that would squash your dumb behind if you got caught. So everybody had to watch everybody sick. So, you know, you didn't get stomped on trying to get the ingredients for a summer barbecue. Right, right. There were saber-toothed cats, lions, tigers, panthers, hyenas, very large wolves and cave bear and polar bear and everything else that would love to have had you or your family members or your children or your parents for lunch, dinner, midnight snack. Right, right. So it was your job to protect everybody from these things. Mm -hmm. Wasn't anybody gonna give you a damn thing and there was a whole lot of the stuff out there that would gladly take your life for their own convenience. So you had to deal with adversity. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And even now, in some parts of Africa, thirteen-year-old mm-hmm. boys have to deal with their particular form of adversity right. to have access after having that rite of passage. Mm-hmm. to get to the point where they would teach you man stuff rather than wasting their time on you. Right. They call that form of adversity Simba. Mm-hmm. So a 13-year-old boy takes a wooden spear without an iron head on it and he kills Simba. And the village elders inspect the process to see if it was a fair kill. Mm-hmm. Now, that's how we deal with adversity. Mm-hmm. So when all these punk ass fools run around whining about what's going wrong with them, yeah. whining about what's being done to them, and nine times out of ten they had control over their situations, I don't buy it. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, the sir. parent or parents who don't sit their child down at the kitchen table. Come on first grade through 12th grade so they can get their educational and academic acts together. Mm-hmm. If they're not academically inclined, don't get them put in a vocational training school situation. Don't teach them how to act appropriately, to be mannerable, show respect for self, others, and elders, and those people you have to interact with. Mm-hmm. Don't put the boys in martial arts or teach them how to box or stand up for themselves or tell them don't come in here saying you want to do it because everybody else is or you won't do it. Give me a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. When we let our children grow like weeds and we don't put man in their souls. Wow. So they get socialized and acculturated to make where they live better, safer, more secure places filled with economic prosperity, sense of purpose, morality, ethics, standards, and deal with imposition of public peace, dignity, and order, mm-hmm. where the men are men of peace who can be brave and courageous when and if necessary. 
Yes, sir. Well, see, we suffer as communities when we don't do that. Yes. Now, yes. 50 some years ago, I was an intern at the Washington, D.C. think tank. Mm -hmm. One of my assignments was to go over thousands of pages of pamphlets known as the slave pamphlets that were on microfilm in the Library of Congress at the time. Mm, wow. I think it probably been put on computers. I don't know how to go online and get them. It's been a half century ago. So excuse me, I can't give you where to go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But one of the things they talked about to successfully enslave the Negro mm -hmm. was to put in the Negro's culture those things that being a good child or a good parent or grand good grandparent, you would either teach or learn and put things in that culture that would produce better slaves so having read that stuff 50 something years ago i see it a lot now in terms of how black children are raised in other words don't do that no i'll give you an example every time something happens we have somebody at a church or some community meeting saying a black man has survived in america <laughs> well, interestingly enough, that was one of the key elements of ruining the black man's culture that the slave masters were advised to do. Mm -hmm. Have the man take the black folk or Negroes take glory in surviving their conditions. Wow. Any other yeah. decent people would. I regret that I have but one life to give to my for my country, mm -hmm. give me liberty or give me death. Yeah. You know, die with honor. A coward dies many deaths. Mm -hmm. A brave man only dies once. Do not teach them that. Teach them to glory in surviving what real men would not allow mm -hmm. or would die to prevent. Right. And they, mentioned we and it's funny several years ago we had this as a series Spartacus. Mm -hmm. mm. they talked about we must do everything to prevent a spartacus from arising because we have more slaves in the united states than the romans had in rome mm. see at one point prior to the civil war Black folk made up one third of the country's population and the heaviest military technology was a muzzle loading musket mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and some horse drawn cannons. And there was all that territory from east of the Mississippi or west, just west of the Mississippi, all the way to the Pacific Ocean and all these Native Americans that you could have mixed with and done a great deal of damage. And as a matter of fact, in 1865, at the end of the Civil War, one third of the Union Army was black. Yes, sir. Uh, yes. An interesting thing to show you how far we have fallen. Mm -hmm. Chief General, Lieutenant General at the time, Ulysses Simpson Grant, Mm -hmm. did a survey at the end of the war. And he was initially astonished to find that the only completely literate units in the entire Union Army were colored, <laughs> Negro, Black. Mm -hmm. And he said, why is it that only these Negroes are, every single one in a unit 
can read and write. Mm-hmm. And then it dawned on him. He says, I wasn't surprised upon reflection. He said, because you never saw a colored soldier without a book to read and something to write with, wow. either reading and writing, practicing his arithmetic, multiplication, mm-hmm. uh memorizing the multiplication tables, doing division, practicing his lessons. They didn't get drunk. They worked on their intellect. What the hell happened to us? Wow, 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 wow. You see where this is going? Like, what happened? Well, 55 years ago, when I was hell grown, (laughs) young man, I heard men are evil mm-hmm. worst thing going was having a man having something to do with children come on now the legends hated men mm-hmm. the feminists hated that they weren't men mm-hmm. gay boys hated that they couldn't act like proper men yeah mm-hmm. the beta soy boys you know the nerds and the dorks and the dweebs they hated the fact that they could not behave as men and weren't treated as men mm-hmm. and then you got the anti-war crowd saying war is a man thing so the way to stop war is to raise boys like girls so when they grow up they emote they cry they shout and let it all hang out instead of being uptight and under self-control and letting frustration and aggression build up until there's yeah. yeah. And then you had people like Nikki Giovanni that's held up as a black poetess. She came to UCLA on two occasions and spoke to 10,000 people each time in Pauley Pavilion at UCLA, where they used to, well, they still play the basketball games. And you know what she was saying? Men are poison. So, women, when you want to be mothers, get knocked up, pick the guy for his physical appearance, strength, and intelligence, and then don't tell the SOB he's the daddy because all men do is F up children. So keep them away. You don't need fathers. Women do a better job. See, that's when that mess started. Yes. And then in the Johnson administration, they had a safety net. It was well-intentioned, but it was abused because instead of having children based on what you can number you can su- afford to support mm-hmm. you had children so you could uh, support yourself because the more you had the bigger your check was mm-hmm. so when you started getting this thing where the welfare queen type were getting big checks for having seven yeah. eight nine ten twelve fourteen babies by eight nine ten different baby daddy situations yeah. Yeah. You started having the social workers sitting down at the end of the block with binoculars to see if there was a man going in trying to be father to one or two of these children. Uh-huh. And they cut off checks. And when I first started practicing law 50 years ago, the number one case was getting the check cut back on after it got cut off because there was a man coming around trying to be dead. Yeah, and then you got these juvenile courts and these other places that uh, handle paternity matters, and you started getting guys that knew they weren't the daddy, and they had no interest in paying for somebody else's child. And I admit I had clients that came to me back in the seventies. Lloyd Brown Earl say that you know if we go down and tell this dude uh, Jim, you know, is the daddy. 
mm-hmm. we'll give you 5%. No, I can't do that. Well, 10%. Well, look, we got all I got to do is say he's a daddy. He got a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Harvest, yeah. 1496 an hour. Yeah. We can get, no, I'm not going to do that. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I mean, I can remember later on when they started getting DNA, I had clients where we'd show up for an increase. I remember one time, this guy had been paying 14 years child support for this one kid. And when he called the kid's name out, I stood up, he stood up, two other guys stood up, two other lawyers. Wow. And it found, wound out, wound up that all three of these guys had been paying child support on the same kid wow. for 14 years. And when we sneaked, cause they wouldn't let us take it, Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, we snuck and made it an arrangement so everybody take a DNA test and none of the three were the daddy. Wow. wow. See, so that kind of thing went on over and over again. So you got a disruption of the family. Yes. Why do we say this N-word? Yes. Well, back in the 70s, I was the public defender for the city of Memphis and I had all of these white employees. A guy who's a federally, federal judge now was my first black lawyer employee. Mm. And I had one sister that was a secretary out of the several. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Larry Falk. He's a federal judge down here in Memphis. He was, I hired him. He was the first black employee we got. Okay. All right. And so I'd go talk to the witnesses and defendants who too lazy to take a bus to come down and see the lawyer. And the judge is saying, if they don't show up, I'm going to raise the bond, revoke the bond. Well, your honor, uh, I'll get them in. All right. We'll do so, Mr. Brown. And you go visit them. So you'd go into the kitchen in the project. And there's a 13-year-old, another 13-year-old, 15-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 19-year-old. A ni- Nineteen eighty-six morphs into 1996. Now he's 28. This morphs into 2006. Now he's 38. Mm-hmm. 2016, he's 48. Now he's going on 50. They, you are in your 50s. And you see, yes, sir. Uh, I had one 29 year old in my courtroom was part of this dysfunctional family. He's 29 years old. He's got 64 outside kids. Ain't paying a dime in child support. One other member of this family had 49 children. Another one had 47. So where did this term, the N-word, which was the grievous insult for black folk, worse you could insult a black man was calling him that. Mm -hmm. Well, how did it get to be so popular? Because the woman that I was interviewing with some of these kids running around in a filthy condition in her kitchen while she's chain smoking or trying to smoke a joint. And I'm saying, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, I'm subject to drug tests. You got to stop that. I can't have a contact high, you know, and getting drunk off of Coke 45 with Schlitz malt liquor. They're drinking 16 ounce cans because they didn't have 40 ounce in those days. Well, she is calling the boys these horrible things 
And by the time the next decade gets around, she's not a mama, she's a grandmama. And guess what? She's not gray-haired grandmama. Mm -hmm. She's 19 plus 14. So that makes her what? 33 years old. And she's grandmama. So then she's 43 years old. She's great-grandmama. She's 53 years old. She's great-great-grandmama. She's 63 years old. She's a great-great-great-grandmama. And so these kids are growing up crippled because for one, two, three, four, five generations of their family, this is the way they've been taught to, the system that they've had, the culture that's been put on them. And grandmama, great-grandmama, great-great-great-grandmama, great-great-great-great-grandmama five times is still walking around breathing air. And there are no men in this mix. No men in the mix, yeah. Yeah. Mm. You can correct it because young male youth want to be men, but they've never seen anybody. You know, uh, they hear it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, looky here, I know you got your ass paid today. I know all this good loving. I didn't give you all fun. I, you know, you got something for mama. You better bring your ass over here with something. And then the kids, one kid, 15, said, "This I'm just going to relate what he said in this counseling session I was having with the boys and their moms. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, mama, we hear that. Yeah, you better hurry up and bust this nut. You ain't going to be wallowing up in this shit all night long with this little piece of chump change. Wow. Man dressed kind of dirty because he got a real job and car you know kind of ragged but what he can afford you know he ain't even got around where the dumpster is wiped himself off you on the phone baby this mama mama's so horny you know she need us some good loving you come over here tonight give mama some good loving we go shopping in american loan tomorrow for that ring you wanted Uh uh-huh I said, we can hear you working the folk that we're looking down on because they're getting chomped off by you and come to think of it, they're the real man rather than this simp who you are supporting like he's one of us. And you telling this lie about all your sacrifices you made to us, that's a damn lie. Mm. Mm. And you taught us nothing about manhood. All you taught us was don't offend you. You didn't take us teach us anything about being alive. So men have to take control of this situation. We've got to assert ourselves. And then when I see all of this weakness, it makes me angry. Now, I hate to get involved with celebrity crap, but I saw that nonsense madness last night with (laughs) Will Smith, who pumped his ass out so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody wanted to argue with him. He was protecting his wife. No, he wasn't. No. Because he was grinning. Did you see his grin on his face until his wife rolled her eyes yep. at him? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Then he's going to get angry. And yep. then he walks up there. Chris Rock thinks it's one of these uh, pranks that they yeah. do in Hollywood, not telling him. Right. Uh, somebody told me that Chris Rock said he thought Smith was going to give him a high five because he was saying, yeah, uh, love you, Jada. said, what's this? We're going to have... Uh, a G.I. Jane 2. Mm-hmm. Now, the white woman that played in it had her hair shaved just like Jada. She's got some kind of medical condition. Ain't gonna shorten her life. She just can't grow hair long. So anyway, 
Right. He didn't even know. Mm-hmm. So he comes up there. So he's supposed to be offended because somebody made an inside joke to some people about his wife. But now let's check it out. Why are you getting angry? Mm. Your wife has been on national media bragging about sleeping with one of your mutual son's friends. Mm. Now you sitting up there even admitting you did it where your husband slept. So you bragging about having sex with one of your child's, one of your children's friends. What the hell's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Dude did a rap song about how good the nookie yeah. was. Yes, yeah, he did. you're right. Yes, he and did. you got the nerve to talk about you trying to defend your wife's honor and she just drug yours through the dirt. Yeah, talk, man. Talk, talk about it. What the hell is wrong with you? And then did you just get the newest release? The white folks jumped on Will. And he had to issue an apology yeah. to Chris Rock. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And LAPD was threatening to prosecute him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Rock manned up and said, no, nah, I ain't going to do it. But you know what's so bad about it? See, Will Smith, has, uh, he's an action hero, right? Mm-hmm. Play spy, you know, hit man, mm-hmm. you know, men in black, you know, yeah. bad boys. Uh, yeah, uh, Lowry. You know, Independence Day with yeah. Lowry, Nick Lowry. <laughs> yeah. And this motherfucker is such a punk, excuse my language. He gonna draw his hand back, give an open finger bitch slap. Chris Rock didn't even stop talking. He had the grin, didn't he wipe the grin off his face? So what the hell is this? He thought he was pranked. So, wow, wow, man, what? Yeah. You know, didn't even break a, you know, he didn't even, didn't even face him. You punk, you go up there and you gonna cold cock somebody and he's still laughing when you finish. What kind of punk play is that? Ooh. About that, that's that shit, man, that my day, we would have been talking about somebody's mama for the next three months, yeah, man. Wonder what his mama did to him. You think she gave him too many enemas when he was a boy, man? I'm full of it. Messing his diapers too much? You know, hey, what's going on? Oh, oh Lord. Man, dude look like, yeah, man, I don't want to say nothing, man, but that probably, you know, like, it reflect, man. He looked like he wanted that popsicle bad, man, that meat popsicle to be sucking off on, man. What's wrong with dude? Man, wow. man. Wow. Man, Mr. Hey, man, look, look here. Chris wasn't even hard on Jada. Just say, you know. The, the joke was wasn't even, that, I mean, that, that, that's mild. You go yeah. into a comedy club, this dude's always trying to exactly. act like he connected. Mm-hmm. Say, fool, ain't you ever been off in a comedy club these exactly. days? What the hell, man? Exactly. You walk in there, they're going to talk about you. That's what yeah. Chris Try does. And look yeah. what he did to the couple before that. Yeah, man, I hate to be so-and-so, man. He's up the best actor, so is his wife. Man, uh, if he wins, he can't win. Because, you know, and she started laughing. He started living, talking about, hey, man, thank God. Come on, Will. Win. You know, hey. And then he's sitting there laughing and walk. He kind of switched when he walked back off stage from slapping Chris Rock. He did. Chris Rock said, man, damn, what the hell was that shit? You know? Mm-hmm. And see, in Hollywood, they'll prank you. Mm-hmm. They will have you do something and won't tell you what somebody else is going to do to script it out. It's a surprise that you might not like. 
but you know they want your reaction to it mm-hmm. it's like that shit you know where they have the candid smile you're on candid camera and I'm surprised somebody hadn't been shot on that kind of thing. You know, when they come up and start to prank somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. See, that Hollywood does that, even on the Oscars and the Emmys. Mm-hmm. And see, I know what the farce is because I'm still on the Oscar and Emmy board. I can nominate and vote. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. By the way, you see that crap? five nominations for Oscar. Mm-hmm. You know what that means? Mm-hmm. Five out of the 3,200 people eligible nominated you. Five out of 3,200. Wow. Wow. If you want to find out who wins, go to the LGBTQ site the week before and they'll tell you. Wow. Unless it's two LGBTQ favorites vying for it, then they back off. Mm. Wow. Mm. See, it's fixed. See, this thing came into being, the Oscars, years ago when the studios had a situation where every Thursday they had two new movies, every Sunday they had two new movies, cartoons and sub-features. So in 50-some weeks outside of a couple of three or four weeks hiatus in the summer, the studios had to produce 150 movies a year. They were going broke with color TV. Wow. So that's how they switched to the new thing where you pay all this money for one movie. You got to be in there on time and leave on time. But back when, see, when they had all these movies, they had the Oscars so people could go in there and see what the movies, hear what the movies were about because the movies had not played yet. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Nowadays, they've gone into Blu-ray, DVD after a four-day run because they were the pits. Remember when that thing, uh, Avatar came out, the Cameroon came up with, all-time box office hit? Yes. Okay, and this war movie, The Hurt Locker, was up against it, and it won Best Picture of the Year? Mm-hmm. Didn't make any sense, did it? It didn't even last a week. You right. know why it did? Because the producer and director was Cameroon's ex-wife. She just divorced him and came out as a lesbian. And so they were rewarding her. They even said it on LGBTQ. She was getting the Oscar because they were awarding her for leaving this horrible man. See, Cameroon was not Hollywood. Mm -hmm. He didn't do the movies. He did documentaries because he was an oceanographer. Mm -hmm. He was financing his oceanography. Mm-hmm. He has a record, personally, the second dive is deepest dive down to the bottom of the Marianas Trench in history. He went 36,000 feet down, not with an officer like two Navy guys did in 1960, mm-hmm. but all by himself. Wow. He did contract work for the U.S. Navy, retrieving missiles and stuff off the ocean floor. He personally explored by, you know, robot the Titanic wreck and the Bismarck wreck. He's got a movie coming out about that. Mm-hmm. So he was the real deal and Hollywood hated his behind because he wasn't into that thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They brag about nine out of every 10 folk do that. Now that's your business. Mm-hmm. You want to be gay, get your freak on in your bedroom. Want to be <laughs> lesbian, knock out all the, eat all the nookie you want. That's your business. You yeah. see, when you start trying to barge off into everybody's living room, right, yeah, right, yeah, you yeah. confuse the children and the grandchildren. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah. The other thing is, you 
have the following things you can be held federally for discriminating against race, mm-hmm. color, national origin, religion, sex, mm-hmm. age, and medical condition. That's seven things. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make LGBTQP a secular religion. Mm-hmm. So it gets the same respect as religion, but you can't teach Christianity, mm-hmm. Islam, right. Judaism, right. Hinduism, Buddhism, right. Zen meditation mm-hmm. in schools, mm-hmm. but you can teach the trannies dress up like women, but they dress up like women who look like harlots and they talk to the two, three, four year olds when children, human children are most receptive to the female parent. The teachers who are basically 80% female, they talk to the children in kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade. Now, mama takes you in diapers to church, synagogue, or or mosque when you don't know what's being said, you're in diapers, but that's just one day a week. These children go to the library several days a week. Yeah, yeah. They get taught by the teachers every day of the week for hours, so by the time they are sub-teens, they've been inculcated. Yeah. yeah. Now, see, that's wrong. You can't teach a religion. You can't even teach heterosexual activity in a school. So why do you get to teach this? Because too many of our elected officials do the B thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's Republican and Democrat. And all of this confusion you see, I heard them plotting this 55 years ago. Infiltrate both political parties, cause chaos, and end the confusion behind the smokescreen past this stuff that emasculates the country because men are supposed to be an evil. Wow. wow. Now, yeah, wow, we will be. Yeah. yeah. See, that doesn't work too well. Now, what is the B routine? Unbelt, mm-hmm. drop bridges, mm-hmm. drop boxers, bend over, spread butt cheeks, get boy banged. Hey, talk about it, Joe. What you talk got, about it? What you talk about it. the B what now? The, the other B is off with the bra, off with the bloomers, butt on bench, knees bucked, and busting the beaver when you got one. <laughs> That's the way they deal. So they got this beaver routine and the rest of us have to deal with it. They talk to us like they are the majority of the country now. Yeah, yeah. Every stat says this, and in Tennessee it's even lower. One and a half percent of the American population is gay. One percent is lesbian. Less than one percent is tranny. That's 0.7 percent. And two to four and a half percent are bisexual. So that equates from about four and a half to seven percent of the country's population. In Tennessee, it's like two percent. But you see the confusion they generate. Everybody takes it like everybody's doing this. And see, that's a propaganda technique. I studied propaganda. Mm-hmm. for a whole year at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And one of the methodologies based on the principle of tell a lie long enough, loud enough, you can get anybody to believe it, including the person that's telling the lie. 
you can tell the lie long and you convince the people you're trying to propagandize that they are wrong, that they are a small minority and overwhelming majority mm -hmm. has some other way of looking at things. So they have their rights, absolute rights to get their freaks on in their bedrooms. But when they start functioning as an unofficial political party, when they start functioning as the official secular religion of the United States, then I have problems. You can't teach real religion in school. Right. You shouldn't be allowed to teach that faux secular religion in school. I agree with you, Judge. I agree with you, Judge. Now, that's where we have a lot of problems. And by the way, one other thing, too, on this man question. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Back in the 60s, you had a whole lot of black folk that were scared to be men. Mm -hmm. They loved that nonviolent stuff because they were kind of off into that masochistic thing. They like rough trade any damn way. Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't have to do manly stuff. Mm -hmm. So they opted into that because instead of being mono e mono, where it was white men against black men, mm -hmm. they just became another holder group, another sexual object. So they could play the role of women. And you got this trans thing too. I think it is badly unfair to women because women have struggled so hard to get their rights. Mm -hmm. And then you get these failed boys who are sissies with mental health problems coming around saying, oh, I'm a girl, even though I got still got a swinger down there, you know. So let me compete against the girls. Yeah. So you see that fool that is now number one ranked NCAA yeah. right. women's yeah. women, six feet five inches yeah. tall. Yeah. And he was ranked number 296 with the men. Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is not fair. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We need to have a tranny league. Well, my initial reaction to that is we need girls leagues, boys leagues. And if you can't make the varsity, sit your ass in the stands and cheer like everybody else. And if That's you right. want to be a guy cheering, you have on some slacks, damn it, and a sweater, and you throw the fine cheerleaders and the micro minis up in the air so you can look at the pants when they come down. You don't need to be high kicking trying to play girl. Right. And then yeah. they're going to take over and have a tranny league any damn way when they run the women out of their sports leagues. <laughs> and then most offensive are these punks who want to have full contact sports with the women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh-uh. Boys, don't hit girls. And you punk out when you get take the chance to hit the girls. That's a coward's way. Exactly. And the other point is, next time we have a Titanic situation, mm -hmm. women and children in the lifeboat first, except here comes Swishy in a dress. He wants to masquerade and get that. No, get your ass out. You go down with the Titanic. In fact, if it's in warm water, take his ass on the other side of the boat um the sharks with them yeah. so <laughs> they don't get around and hurt the women and children man, man. mr oh, brown mr oh, brown oh, let me oh. let me <laughs> let me put a pin let me put a pin in the episode real quick man um nashville I, if you ain't heard all this i don't know what you're missing we got none other than judge, judge joe, brown joe brown joining us on the black man bit two podcast after our sponsorship segment break, we're going to put a segment break in to give Mr. Brown some time to give him some water. And hey, guys, I'm loving this episode. We're going to get right back into yes. the content. Yes. And remind me to talk about Orwell's Animal Farm when we come back, because it applies to what's going on right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, we will. Yes, sir. Nashville okay. heard a black man vent today.
we're back. Good morning to you guys again. Um, no introduction needed. Judge Joe Brown is here with us today. And Mr. Brown, we're going to pick up right where we left off prior to our segment break. Yes. Okay. See, there was a writer named Orwell. He wrote uh, one interesting book called 1984. Mm-hmm. It's fiction, but he predicted a lot of what has happened since 1984. Mm-hmm. He also wrote a book named Animal Farm. And in there, it was a group of intelligent animals that could write and communicate, and they staged a revolution and took over a farm from humans. Mm -hmm. And they had a constitution that they wrote on the side of this barn. And one of the provisions was, all animals are equal. Mm. Well, there was a wise old pig that was trying to keep things together, and he died and some youthful pigs took over and they had a different thing in mind. So by the time they got through running their game, the constitution now read, all animals are equal, but pigs are more equal than others. Mm -hmm. And we've got situations today where we have the equivalent of pigs who are more equal than others. Now I'm the first to say, everybody should have the same rights. But now, white folk jumped us about affirmative action, you know, reverse discrimination. But nowadays, it seems that we have our new type of pig who has more rights than others. So they're platter full of rights is heavier than our platter full of rights. We don't get the same rights. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I wanted to. You can say judge. You don't have to say Mister. I got all these titles: doctor, lawyer, judge, whatever. You know. So take your pick, I guess. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Judge Joe, I got a question for you, man. I we have heard you vent throughout our episode, and we just want to thank you again for your time. But what me and my dad wanted to really ask you is: we've heard of the lack. Of, of, of manhood from you. We've heard you vent about how pissed Solutions. off Solutions? Yes, sir. You, yeah, you, you, you go. go. <laughs> okay, now, there we go. Here, first off, appeal to the natural curiosity of male youth as to what manhood is. Mm-hmm. If you show them manhood, remember that human youth learn by imitation. Yes, sir. I ran a Boy Scout troop and a Cub Scout pack for 15 years. And they would have all of these single mamas, sometimes not. And the mothers would talk about how out of control the kids were. We'd go on these outings down at one of the scouting camps in Mississippi and the women would want to hover around the children. And I said, no, 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 no. Go over there and wait. But that's so far away, go wait. I'll send somebody to get you in a couple of hours. So they'd come back and the boys are marching and they're smartly in line and they're orderly and they're acting respectful. And when one of them gets out of line, all right, mister, drop and give me 10. One, sir, two, sir, three, sir. How did you get them to do that? Because they want to emulate masculinity. So I give them examples. I've got these older boys that I work through and the older boys are supposed to 
order the younger boys and I deal with the older boys. So command hierarchy going down. But how did you? Well, because boys are boys. What has been working right here, worked for the last good few thousand years everywhere in the world. You just don't know how. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like if you want to train a horse, there are ways to train a horse. If you want to train a dog, there are ways of training a dog. But first, you have to train yourself to train either dog or horse. Uh, and when you talk about training pooch puppies, you have to learn how to train people puppies. And the women are all about love rather than training. Remember, this creature they're trying to raise is not going to be watching television, playing video games the way it's designed. It's going to be dealing with these ravenous beasts that want to kill him and kill the people he's responsible for. So, okay, you start giving the boys things to emulate that are manly, and that requires that you have somebody who has a man's image. Mm. Now, boys and other youth, especially when they get to be teens, will test you to see if you have what it takes to listen to. So you have to survive the test. So you have to be the equivalent of a badass. Mm -hmm. I'll give an example of that. Mm -hmm. I had... uh, in Harlem, I got uh, invited to Ebenezer Baptist Church. That's uh, Adam Clayton Powell's old church, all right? And some of the community youth were there, and they were trying to talk all the gang nonsense and everything. And I had invited a professor from New York University over. I had spoken at a reception, well, a function they had there. Mm-hmm. And one of the people I brought over was Professor Roscoe Brown, retired. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all these guys are in the audience talking about how bad they are and how they don't take anything. And I said, hold on, hold on. Why do you think you got to look like a thug to be a badass? Well, yeah, my ass all... I said, well, there's one guy in here who's the baddest man walking around in here. I said, right now, they've checked records and they credit him for killing 23 people. Mm-hmm. Was he a sniper man? Or did he just get out to penitentiary? Some badass detective. I said, no. Mm-hmm. And if somebody got it, they said, this dude, a fighter pilot? I said, yeah. He was in a P-51 Mustang at 30,000 feet, 70 below zero, 400 miles from home and any help. And he was taking 50 caliber machine guns. And guess what? He shot down two German ME-262 jets. Mm-hmm. You know, and by the way, interesting story. He's with the Tuskegee Airmen, and once they got the German Luftwaffe records after the Cold War was over, they started running them through computers and doing on-the-ground archaeology to find remains of aircraft. So they cut down the scores of a lot of the white aces who made bogus claims, even if they were made in good faith, and the 332nd started going up. So now, for the last nine months of World War II in Europe, the 332nd is acknowledged by the Department of Defense as the highest scoring U.S. Army fighter group. Wow. And Roscoe Brown is now the second highest scoring U.S. World War II ace in Europe. And if he gets two more confirmed, yeah. he will be the number one ace. So you got a black man being the badass, just like basketball, football, baseball, yeah. track, everything yeah. else. Yeah. And in driving... Lewis Hamilton racing Formula One. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. 
this gets back when they say, wait a minute, Stu got on a suit and tie. I said, yeah, but you know, anybody up in here, you know, 70,000, 30,000 feet, 70 below zero, mm -hmm. facing flack and, you know, Messerschmitt. So give the man respect, which they did. So you kind of have to pass that test to get accepted. Okay, right. that's step two. Right. Three, have something to teach them. Four, if you're going to have something to teach them that's worth them listening to, you're going to have to have learned it yourself. Now, there's one easy way to stay one chapter ahead in the book. Yes. And that's a yes. good way of learning the subject. But what they want to know about is manhood. Yes. Have you been demonstrating manhood in your life right. by some of the small things? You don't have to go be badass going for bad. They understand, too, sometimes that there's another element, but they've never seen it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you show them this, you also do something that first you have to sneak in, but then it becomes something they crave because they get addicted to it. You have to give them a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. One of the more effective things about getting a sense of purpose is getting them angry in the right way so the anger becomes not crippling, yeah. not inducive to suicidal behavior, mm -hmm. but gets them motivated. Hey, man, you're getting chomped off. You think you're doing something, man, getting over on everybody. They want you to do this because they rely on you. You ain't going to the joint, man, because of criminality, fool. They want to get rid of your ass because you surplus labor. They don't have enough jobs to go around with you. So when you think you're being slick, they depend upon you. Yeah. Yes. So you like wheat, corn, cotton, and rye, man. Yes. It's like when you yes. got a commodity glut, they cut back production. One, two, they subsidize a would-be producer. And three, they store the surplus. They store your dumb ass off in a jail cell instead of a grain silo. The subsidy is a welfare check. They give it to your mamas and your girlfriends, not you, because they want to emasculate you, don't mind, because they don't want you fulfilling your function of ensuring that your community does what it ought to do. Oh, Meanwhile, you fall oh, for all this poison where they get you going for the okey-doke. You don't get academically squared away. You don't have a vocational skill. You get the wrong ideation. Your lifestyle's wrong. You get the clowning around wrong. The girls get knocked up too early, too often. You develop inappropriate attitudes, outlooks, you gang bang and you get thug out and you make your communities chaos so they cannot engage in political self-help. Then you get your dumb ass sent to jail when that's gonna guarantee you that with this felony it's gonna be a lot harder for you to be employed. Mm -hmm. And why you? Because you ain't got man enough to do what a white boy named Timothy McVeigh would do, which is go get 250 pounds of fertilizer and blow up a courthouse in Oklahoma City. See, they scared of these folk that'll act like men. They ain't scared of you because you go kill off your own folk. Wow. wow. You go poison your neighbors. Yeah. You go rob your neighbors. Yeah. Burglarize your neighbors. Yeah. Rape your neighbors. Yeah. Pimp your neighbors. Yeah. See, you got no damn sense. Mm -hmm. What man is all about the black mafia? Mafia would kill your fool behind if you do that. Sell that poison to the Negroes or the Negroes or the uh, them. Mm -hmm. You don't sell it to your own people. They kill right. you for doing some of that stuff. That's right. That's right. That's right. I was in a place, man. Uh, 
It has excellent Italian food. I'll tell you when we get off. Mm-hmm. It's in Brooklyn. It's in a seedy area. It's been open for 140 years. Best food going. Mm-hmm. And I had some Hollywood types in there. And they're going, eyes wide open. I said, well, you do realize that there's a reason why they use this place as a set for the Sopranos. And you hear this conversation. Hey, Luigi, we have a conversation about this situation. Yeah. What's with all these youth committing these violences against these people? What this fool cut that man's face up like that for such a minor transgression? Well, boss, you know, like, it was a sharp instrument. It was a razor. He ain't going to have too many scars and some character. Now, understood. But we can't be having these violences where we live for such small offenses. You, we must talk with them. Bring them in sometime next week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are they serious? Yeah, what do you think they are? Look at this place. Mm-hmm. They got uh, NYPD captain over there, two lieutenants and five sergeants, and they getting drunk for free, and they're going to put them in a cab and take them home. <laughs> they're setting up relations. Yeah. See how they fuck with these Knights of Columbus pins, including the black ones? Mm-hmm. You do know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. See, and... and all these people don't lock their cars. No, they don't. Mm. And the old ladies walk in here with ankle and fur cloaks and real bling on. Yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, just what you need? Explain to them how come there's no crime problem. Hey, we handle the criminality. There ain't no criminality without our permission. Don't nobody come in here and mess with civilians. Mm. They got old ladies in here. They get children. Uh-uh. Mm. See, do you think we have communities like that where the women and children are safe? And when an old lady got a problem with her late husband's pension, they collect it and give every dime to her? Mm-hmm. They take care of their people. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we sitting up here. Yay, man. Uh, look, young brother, why don't you get you an entry-level job? Well, man, see, I'm going to be like you, man. I say, <laughs> I've dug dishes done construction, loaded trucks, yes. taking out garbage, yes. flipped burgers, worked as a waiter. And you telling me, you man, I got too pride and too much pride and respect, man. I can't be flipping no burgers for no damn Mickey D's, man. I got my bitches and hoes take care of me. Mm, mm, mm. Nah, See, well, young man, that's not the proper attitude of a man. You have to teach them. Right. See, well, you know what? I got to worry about, man. You know, like, I'm going to be dead before I'm 24, man. I'm 22 now. Mm-hmm. Well, see, then that means you got an opportunity to die gloriously as a hero because that's what you call adversity, young brother. And men have taken pride in overcoming and conquering adversity. Yes. So if they got fire-breathing healer monsters blowing smoke and creating flames that fill the tunnel up so you can't see the daylight at the end of the tunnel. You got an opportunity to be a hero so the people you're responsible for get to see the daylight at the end of the tunnel. At least they'll remember your dumb ass. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Right. Leave a legacy. Oh, man. Wow. So I get people walking up to me now, man, in restaurants. Last time was a week ago. Mm-hmm. Lady friend got upset at the attention. Judge, you remember me? Always ask her. I said, no, nah, man, I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, man, you know, I got gray beard now, man, and gray hair, man. 
but you gave me some time. Did I give you enough? Oh yeah, but see, it was that thing about manhood. Once I got that man, I wasn't going back up into that life, man. You make all that money and it's gone. Yeah. And then when you deal with duty, honor, and obligation, and he'd run down what I taught him 25, 28, 29, 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah, wow. yeah, man. Like, I got uh, 11 boys that come over to my house, and I try to teach them what you told me, man, taught me. See, that's manhood. That yes, make sir. you feel good, man. You can sleep at night. Yeah. Yes, sir. You got a purpose. Yes. So when, like you said, man, Judd, it's like every day when you're about to give up hope, all you got to do is look in the mirror and the number one inspiration looking back is you. Because you say, man, I got to be a man. Yeah. Right. yeah. Did you do what you were supposed to do yesterday? Or are you going to do it today? Or are you going to get out there and kick the world in the ass because it needs ass kicked? Talk, Judd. Yes, Talk, Judd. Yes, sir. Talk, Judd. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah. So when you get them motivated, then you yeah. give them some guidance on what to look for. Then the next thing is you get them turned on to politics. Man, I, Joe, why we got to be worried about politics? Because mm-hmm. every time you try to convince somebody of something, that's politics. Mm. When there are five people, it's just you talking amongst each other. When there's another 10 and you're trying to get something cooperative, then you can see the political thing. Plus, go to the zoo, watch the baboons and the chimps. They do politics, too. They have the alpha male. You got your gang leaders, you know, but your gang leaders don't know what time it is because they need you the wrong way because nobody ever taught them. I'm here teaching you. And what I'm doing, I don't want to lead you because I got better things to do right now. I want you to lead yourself. So I'm giving you some clues as to how you build up your following, not cause you gang banging and destroying your neighborhood, playing little cannibal bitch. But I'm trying to tell you how to be a righteous somebody that will get to the top. Yeah. You know, we had Martin Luther King who wasn't somebody I followed cause I didn't like watching black folk down on their knees getting their heads beat by some redneck until some other ones felt guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen to my old man who used to say with his war buddies, ain't nobody lifting the hand to us. Bring back a nub, damn it. We killed somebody. We was trying to kill Germans and Japanese. Mm -hmm. So, you know, damn sure kill a redneck if they try to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't play that. Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody getting down on any damn knees. So, you know, my heroes were Malcolm X and H-Rap Brown and all this other stuff. Yeah, Yeah, one four-day period, I was bodyguard for H-Rap Brown out in L.A. Yeah. You know, I was trying to keep my skills together even back then. Learn those skills. If you can, go buy yourself a military-grade pistol, then a 12-gauge shotgun, uh, 18-inch barrel, a Mossberg 570 or 500, preferably, or a Remington 8070. Uh-huh. Buy yourself a M4 carbine clone, 556. Uh-huh. Get plenty. Get call. You right? I gotta pass a permit. Get a call. Get plenty ammunition, plenty magazines. Mm-hmm. Spend your money learning how to shoot. Go to the range. Get proficient. Take martial arts. Don't get one of these little pretty ones where they got all the moves. Get somebody and say, look, this is my thing. I want to learn to be dangerous as fast as I can. There are ways you can cut the corner so you don't have to go through all of the moves and you can get down and, you know, yeah. deal with yeah. all kinds of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like Will Smith done that nonsense to me. I was, bam, straight up in his neck under that throat. 
and rock his head back, you know, and then yank it to the side, get that quick acceleration. So that causes a knockout instantly. You don't have to hit as hard if you do the rotation. So in there at the carotid artery complex, put his ass down quickly and he'll wake up in a few minutes wondering why he's looking at the lights (laughs) on the ceiling. Right. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought the brother was doing a high five. Uh, you know? Uh, uh-huh. and I don't know what happened. Maybe he was high off or something and it hit him, you know? <laughs> See, they get that respect. I had a good, my brother, you know, uh, the late Clifford Stewart of Los Angeles, you know, we've been homeboys for 55 years. Uh-huh. Cliff used to say, I want everybody's attention. Now, Black Belt Magazine said he's probably the most dangerous human alive in North America for 15 years until the year he died. And he'd get a big pile of bricks and then say, I want your attention. I don't, you know, judge. He'd be packing iron all the time. And so does uh, Chappelle over here, you know, and all of us know martial arts. Now we want your attention. And he'd break a whole stack of bricks. They'd go, oh. Damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, respect is you don't want homeboy to whip your ass. You know there's nothing you can do, and the rest of us are armed. Ain't nobody going to shoot anybody without our permission, and we likely to shoot you. Mm-hmm. So you want to survive this, you listen. Right. <laughs> right. And when you listen, you prosper. Now, I tell you, two people we had on this playground that I was director with, with Cliff, and uh, Ron, mm-hmm. we had two people you know of, Barry White, the singer. He was a little skinny 12-year-old kid when That's we were right. his playground director. Mm-hmm. Wow. And by the way, they put his age up to match his deep voice. But his mama got the idea, and she encouraged us to encourage him, and we gave him this training every day okay. during the summer. Okay. Uh, the other one. His mama didn't want him to go because she kept wanted to keep getting that check. That was Tookie Williams who started, co-founded the Crips. Yeah, wow. He was the last person executed on California's death row. Yep. And I thought he yeah. should have had his sentence commuted because he wrote six children's books in which he was putting out what we were teaching him wow. about man up. Yeah, yeah, man up. See, wow. boys want this. Yes. Yeah. And I know sometimes I'd go walk in the projects in Memphis and I'd go looking just to see if somebody I ordered to be inside the house was outside against small. Hey, you come in. Man, what? Oh, shit. God. Man, who this dude, man? I didn't ask you, did I? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's Judge Brown. Yeah, I care. I said, this A and B conversation. Get over there. Didn't I tell you to have your ass in by 10 o'clock? What time is it? It's after 11. You see me day after mm. to tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And see, people would come around. Man, what you going to do if I get in your face, blow it yours off? Food? You strapped damn straight I am. Mm. Mm. I'll kill you right here. And I'm a damn judge. So who they going to believe? Your <laughs> dumb ass friends that may be dead too or me? Yeah. <laughs> Now, I tell you what, if you want to hang around and listen, we can talk about what I'm trying to teach him about being a man. So it is like 11 o'clock. Sun's coming up at 6, 15 a.m. And I got 25 wannabe thugs around. 
hanging on every word about how to be a man. Mm, wow. Mm, wow. Mm, hey, by the way, the statewide recidivism over this 10-year period, they did the study from 1990 to 2000 when I retired, was about 80% repeat felons. 80%? Wow. Now, you know what it was in my courtroom? It was still dropping when I was retired. It had dropped from 80% down to 18%. Secret was man up, woman up. And that way, the control factor is you. Because you see, what masculinity is, is a set of protocols that you input into a boy's mind so he self-regulates. He can't do this because it's an embarrassment. But nowadays, you're not supposed to shame somebody. You teach him to shame himself if he doesn't do what he knows he's supposed to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, see, there are these methodologies, and they're not new. Mm -hmm. Hell, they've been doing them for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, I had a conversation with two very interesting young brothers. One was at UCLA grad school. The other one was at USC grad school. But they weren't ordinary people. Uh, they had both killed their lions when they were 16 with a wooden spear. Mm. Both of them had the same daddy. He was high king of the Zulu and king of Swaziland. So he said, told them when they got their dissertations and did certain things for him, he had abdicated. So one of them would be the new king of Swaziland and king of the Zulu, and his brother would be prime minister. They had one more task. When that came to manifest, they had to, one of them would have to choose a steel sword, 32 inch blade, mm-hmm. old time broadsword, and the other one would have to pick a steel, uh, steel tip spear. And they'd have to go out under the supervision of the elders and kill a Cape Buffalo, a big one mm-hmm. that the elders picked out. Mm-hmm. Cape Buffalo are about the hardest terrestrial animal on earth to kill. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing of it is, if anything happened to the king to be, there's a summary execution on the spot. They kill his brother so he can't pull off a coup and become the new high king. Wow. So they have to cooperate. Mm-hmm. So that's their test. Mm-hmm. So they are getting their heads together. And it's interesting. They can talk like uh, uh, Judge Brown. It is imperative that we do something about establishing something of a cultural entity for Africa since the politics seem to be so difficult. I didn't talk like that. I think, hey, man, you know, we're going to go to the club tonight and hang out. <laughs> it's sort of like uh, coming to America right. with, uh, right. yeah, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall, Hall. But for real. Mm-hmm. Man, just do they cracked me up too. We had Secret Service rolling with us in this Rolls Royce limousine, right? So we go to the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Mm-hmm. And the dudes walk off in there and they knew who they were because the Secret Service had prepped all this stuff. So this guy walks in and he looks at the main ballroom for the Beverly Hilton and says, Oh, with the quaint antechamber for the toilet facilities. So I said, what? He said, well, this lead to your toilet, does it not? He said, this is the ballroom. He says, oh, that is so tragic. He says, in my, my winter quarters, he said, this would be the ante room for the toilets. Yeah. Before we go in and deal what I need. Wow. He was messing with them, but you know, it's like, 
He rolls like that. So he showed me what I thought was a luxury hotel. He said, Judge, I invite you to stay with me when you come visit us. Mm. I said, well, what hotel? That is not a hotel. That is my winter palace. He said, I said, that's you? Damn, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of six I have, you know? Yeah. Bring lots of money with the casinos and the oil and stuff, you know? I said, well, yeah. So their plan was, is to unify as many nations in Africa as they could, not politically, but in terms of mindset, by having some adventure stuff on television and movies that they were setting up so they would understand who the enemy is. Wow, that's smart. And one of the things they talked about was Oppenheimer the Beards. Uh, they have a diamond monopoly. And I remember we had a murder trial in my courtroom 32 years ago. And we learned that a million-dollar diamond had an actual value of about $8,000. And most of that had to do with the art of cutting it because Oppenheimer De Beers has a monopoly with the monarchy in England. And 99.9999999 to the eighth nine. Uh, percentage of the world's diamonds are in their vaults. There's carbon, one of the, very common. They come out of all, you know, so they deal with these monopolies. And if people don't go along with them, well, tribalism causes a war, which actually is Oppenheimer saying, you didn't go for our deal, we'll prop somebody up. Now, I had them in my courtroom Back in 1990-91, what happened was seven folk got a diamond strike down here in Arkansas at a national park, and they paid the mining fee. So Oppenheimer De Beers approached them about selling them the diamonds. They said, no, where are we going to take that low price? So they sent four hitmen over from South Africa. They murdered four of them outright. They shot the fifth one five times. Fortunately for him, some Memphis police were next door on a domestic violence call. They heard the gunshots. They came over. They were about to shoot him in the head. They just dropped the gun. Didn't fight back anything. So we're in the third week of trial. Wow, wow. And we've heard all of this about their motive, motives. Mm -hmm. And we break on Saturday because it's a lockup jury. We're coming back. Monday, but we can't go back to trial. Why? Because the U.S. State Department granted the forum diplomatic immunity and flew them on a naval uh, plane over to Africa and into South Africa. Mm, wow. James Bond stuff. Oppenheimer the Beers. That was before when they still had apartheid over there. So, you know, there's U.S. government fostering that. Four American citizens murdered and another one paralyzed on one side because of what they did. Yeah. And they were trying to kill seven of them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is the way they rolled. So these folk, the High King, His Royal Highness, and his other Royal Highness mm -hmm. were going to be High King. And Shaka Zulu, the great Shaka, was their direct ancestor. See, so they come from some ferocious stock. It doesn't come any better than that. Right. And oh, by the way, somebody was over there talking about kings and queens. He said, Judge Brown, we will give them an illustration of what it means to have kings and queens. You ought to be glad you live here so you do not have to deal with that. You see, that is only one king. 
that are queens, but you are not the queen unless the king is fucking you. And wow. there was a place called Tommy Burgers that has these badass burgers and chili tamales, right? Uh-huh. So I was going to send some of my personal assistants the mile and a half way to get some Tommy Burgers. He said, no, I'll show you something. So they called their consulate and they had some young men worked at the consulate go get the hamburgers and they came back with several bags worth. Well, we could hear them outside laughing with some of my crew. They said, I'm going to show you about what it means to be king or high prince, the king to be. He sent his brother over who snatched open the door. They were laughing and carrying on and got turned around and he yelled, dropped straight to the floor, banged his forehead into the ground. It was concrete. He started moaning, oh, oh. And the high prince kicked him right in his behind. He said, how dare you behave in such an unruly fashion and embarrassed the tribe. And they were moaning. So he had them like that. He took the burgers so they wouldn't get cold. And we kept them down there. And he kicked them twice more, came in. They laid flat out on the floor, you know, and stepped on the guy's head and talked about, you see, this is what happened when you have king. There is only one king. Everybody else be his subject. So when you talk about we all kings and queens, that is a lie because everybody can't do this and you don't really want this. The reason we still do this because it is my firm plan to democratize this place one day once they get the clap acclimated to being democrat. Mm. See, so, I mean, you know, it was a point. Wow, yeah. So it was a profound illustration when they left, you know, and they went with the Secret Service about their business. Uh-huh. And it came twice. But, you know, everybody said, man, damn. I never thought of it that way. I said, yeah, well, I've been trying to tell you about when you get to talking about we all kings and queens. No, you're not. There's only one king, and there is a queen or queens that he designates as queen or queens. Right, right. So, Mm-hmm. You know, you saw dudes stepping on the guy's head and they just whining. Dude, one dude peed himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he was so scared. Mm-hmm. So I just said, see, that's what what you were talk, talking about means. Now, is that you really want? And then he told you, his highness said, be careful when you go to Africa. He said, they will ask you what your religion is. Be very careful what you answer. Mm-hmm. You say the wrong thing, they take your life. Wow. Are you wow. Islam? Are you Sunni or Shiite? Mm-hmm. Are you Christian? Are you Catholic? Are you Protestant? If you Protestant, are you Methodist? Are you Baptist? What are you? Episcopalian? Yeah. Or Presbyterian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, be very careful. Mm-hmm. This is in Africa. And none of these Africans know their ancestral gods. He said to George and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. He said, look. You name spaceship after your ancestral. The white people name them after their ancestral gods. Mm-hmm. Apollo. Yeah. Gemini. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, such and such space mission. And they have not forgot their gods. But you don't know anything except the add-on gods on top of things. You don't know who Dimbala and Lakoti are. Right, right, right. You see? So he made a, a wise, I'm saying, 
this country is going to be in good hands when these young men get to rule it. They were laughing too. I said, is it true about you parade the virgins naked before the king? He said, it's us too. He said, we have video if you want to see. We brought out his cell phone. And you know, you think it's going to be just African women, you know, running around naked with grass and bees all the uh-uh, They had all the women in the kingdom working in these casinos. They were yeah. Chinese, Japanese, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Arabian, yeah. African, yeah. Uh, blind-haired, blue-eyed Nordics, and they were parading in their birthday suits. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pick one? No, we still got to be players, Judge. Yeah. <laughs> to that American, said, we playing. So Daddy picked his 14 fights, you know, but hey. Wow. I said, what was it? She said, was a pretty Chinese gal. She was over here. She was an engineer. Mm-hmm. So I said, what did she say? She was looking good. I was lusting after my stepmama. <laughs> God damn. I hated to say <laughs> But you know, it is what it yeah. is. So, yeah, yeah. What it is. I mean, these are some realities. So when yeah. you talk to people, yeah. they tell you, look, just, did it dawn on you that all of so many of the people from where I am are trying to get where you are because of all the opportunities and you want to live, leave and come back to us where you want to do Stone Age subsistence farming, which we don't need. We'd much rather you be in the science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got, a, he said, I've got an uncle, mm-hmm. an older uncle, and what goes down is like, he's got the son-in-law who's a Chinese scientist. Mm-hmm. And they're doing hydroelectric installations and he's doing the science on dealing with the water flow in a particular thing about the water anyway. Mm-hmm. He said, so we might teach one of you how to do subsistence farming, but we don't need that. We already got that down. We're trying to move on to the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So if you want to come back home and somebody runs into you and you don't pick the wrong religion relative to that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll help you, but we'd much rather that you can help us. So I said, what can the black man in America do to help Africa? He said, you want to know the truth, Judge? He said, kick some ass and be a good example. Wow, now that was simple but profound. He said, nobody respects Africa because since our ancestor, Chatzalwelu, Isandalwana, when we slaughtered 5,600, 5,600 of England's finest infantry, Mm -hmm. he said, ain't nobody in Africa done a damn thing militarily except in North Africa. You got to be the badasses so we all get respect. And somebody said, well, we got respect. Everybody dance like it. He said, get the point. When we dance, it's a ritual and it's conveying a message. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody give a damn about dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Well, we got all the rap. Nobody give a damn about that crap. That's entertainment. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. What does it have to do with show them off? Well, we got the basketball. Nobody cares about basketball. Plus, we got we have soccer. Mm-hmm. And so what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every time I walk in, the national soccer team drops to the ground and bangs their forehead into the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, who's most important? In America, you'd say the soccer player. Over there, they'd say me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Wow. You see where that goes? Yes. yes. Because I control what food goes to who. Wow. Daddy's letting me do that now. Who lives, who dies. I can intervene now if somebody is scheduled to get executed. I can pardon them. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. So who's most important? That soccer player or me? Right. Right. Mm. You Americans are crazy. He's 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 he studied our history and he says you used to have leaders that you respected who actually did something about food on the table, political rights, political yeah. power, yeah, you know, social respect. And now you got people that talk about the vilest corruptions mm-hmm. and decadence and depravity. Mm-hmm. and trying to destroy your families. What the hell is wrong with you yeah. people? Yeah. Why don't you assert yourself? Right, mm-hmm. right. Teach these boys how to be men. Mm-hmm. We, we, after all that you just said, you came back to the same thing. Teach the boys how to be mm-hmm. men. <laughs> that's what I was finishing up on the dissertation. That was a lecture by <laughs> Professor Brown. <laughs> Professor Brown. Professor Brown. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mr. Brown, uh, Judge. See, Stone. that's what we. Mm-hmm. I just. I, see, I, that's I, what we have to do. Yes, yes sir. sir. Yes, you, sir. You did well, by the way. Thank you. I'm impressed. Praise God. Well, thank, thank you. you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Sir. I, were you? Thank were you? you were you able to check it out? The, the episode that I sent you. Yeah, it was in. I liked it. It was cool. Thank you, man. Thank yes, you. sir. Thank, Thank you, you so sir. much. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank oh, you. it was cool. And see, this is the other thing, too. We have to do something about Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Mm-hmm. They have become the soapbox for modern discourse and political mm-hmm. speech. Mm-hmm. 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 In the 19th century, they had all these gas companies that were supplying gas for gas lighting on the streets and some stoves. And they decided, well, we want to deal with urban development so we don't like these people. We're not going to serve them. All right. Well, they got hauled in and they got declared to be a public utility, which is when you take advantage of the support and protection of a government. Mm-hmm. For your economic advantage, and you start fulfilling a function and providing an exclusive service, mm-hmm. then you owe obligations back. You become a public utility. So it isn't all about your business purposes. You have to serve everybody equally. Mm-hmm. And all of these social media entities have some favored people who have this. So sexual cult and everything else and everything slanted toward them. You can't offend them. They can say the N-word all they want. You can't get anything done about it. You can't say, I think the election was stolen. You can't say this is unfair or that's wrong because they will block you, ban you, suspend you, whatever it may be. But you see, 
they are the soapbox. They shouldn't be allowed to do that because all of their communications go out over the wire. So they're subject to FCC mm-hmm. for federal electronic communications mm-hmm. by air. So they take advantage of the limited number of frequencies that are available to the public for civilian use. Mm-hmm. Their use of that is protected. They are public utilities. We just have to go take these fools on so they stop doing this damn censorship. Yes. It looks like Nazism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, I've not seen anything like it mm-hmm. since I've been about 16. And that's when you had to go to the high school principal's office and get a work permit in California. And around here too, some other people tell me. Mm-hmm. And on that work permit, they had a disclosure form. It says, have you now or have you ever been a member of any of the following organizations or have any of the members of your family, immediate family, and they defined who that was, supported, been a member of this, and they listed all of these communist organizations and fronts. I haven't seen anything like that since then. Wow. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're censoring you. They had a thing called the Alien and Seditions Act, Sedition Act back in the beginning of the 19th century. That's been 200 years ago. Wow. And there has not been any censorship like this outside of wartime since then. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, there's all kinds of analysis to go on, but a suggestion, take your grandchildren, take your children, Yes, sir. And sit them down at the kitchen table and make them do their homework so they get a leg up between first grade and 12th grade. And if you do all right with that, every damn door you will run into and the rest of your life will be unlocked. Yes, sir. Maybe sticky. Yeah. You might have to take a foot and kick the damn thing all the way in, but it's unlocked. Yes, wow. sir. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. Wow. Judge Joe, we want to uh, end it here, man. It's It's been such oh, a man. great, great honor oh, to just yes. even talk to you yes um, pop yes yeah. judge joe oh man gotta have something to do judge joe we just I, i'm just i'm just I, again i'm a fan i'm a fan of your show but now i'm a bigger fan of just joe brown the man i'm a bigger fan now because i've gotten a chance to hear your heart yes. and i've gotten a chance to hear yes, what you are all about i know i know what your show was about but now I know what Joe Brown is really about. And we really thank you for coming on thank and doing you. just thank what's you. on my head. You just vented, and our audience is going to be so glad to hear it because they got a chance to hear a real vent today. Yeah. That was a real vent. Yeah. Yeah, Judge Joe, uh, we're going to end it here. Nashville, it's been a great episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the one and only Judge Joe the Brown one and only. has graced us and has, has blessed us, and, and we just want to thank him for his time. Mm-hmm. Nashville, we'll end it here. It is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. You can do what you can, and you can't do what you can't. Bye. Until next week, Nashville, it's a wrap. Black man, don't get trapped. One other thing. Mm-hmm. One other thing, jjbbq.com, Judge Joe Brown Barbecue.com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You need some of that up there. Order some of the sauce. It's the best you taste it. And young man, you ought to be proud of your son. And young, young man, you ought to be proud of your dad. 
Yes, Praise sir. God. Yes, thank sir. you, sir. Thank Done you. great yes, job, sir. both of you gentlemen. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Let me get out of here. Yes, God sir. God bless. God bless.